Welcome to the show that helps business owners and business people. If it's about marketing, sales, or anything business related, we'll discuss it. This is Strictly Business with Chase Channel. Now, here's Chase. What's going on, everyone? You heard him. My name's Chase Channel, and this is Strictly Business. We're going to be talking all things business for the next two hours. So I hope you're prepared, you have yourself a beverage, and you're ready for a fantastic show. Before we get into the questions, we have some questions that were posted on our Facebook page, which you can check out, facebook.com backslash The Chase Channel Show. Post them up there, and I'll answer them each week. I'll even send you a direct answer on there. But uh, before we get to that, I have something business-related. I just really want to get off my chest. It seems like from the time I was a child, I'm always taught the better education that you can get or the harder you work, the more money you'll make. And that was always the goal. Is in business, we all think, hey, let's set out to make money. Then there's so many businesses in America that open up business and they're living their American dream and they forget to ask for any profit. Now, I don't think profit's a dirty word, but it really seems like it has this negative stigma in the workplace. And it really shouldn't. So one of the things I want to talk about to kick off the show is why profit is okay. And maybe you're sitting here listening and your business doesn't ask for enough profit. So how do we break down our margins? How do we talk about what, how much should we, should we be charging? What's a fair profit versus non-fair? The first thing to remember is unless you have a red cross on the building, you're a for-profit organization. That means that you can't survive pay your staff, and stay in business without making a profit. Now, the second thing we're going to talk about is how do we know what our profit margins really are? And this is where a lot of small businesses fail because these things fall through the cracks. The Where we begin on this is our real cost of goods. In any business, we have a true cost of goods, whether you're selling services, mowing lawns, you're selling a product like a car, like I do, or your uh, anything from beauty, you know, beauty salons, you name it. There's a cost of goods, or cost of services. So we want to come up with how do we get to that number, and how do we make it make sense for our customers? So in business, the great catch twenty two is how do you make enough profit while still gaining enough of the market share? Sure, I can go out and sell a gallon of milk for eight dollars and make a good profit, but the profits don't come if no one buys it. So how do we find that balance in our business? Well, the way we do it is first, we got to make sure we understand what our cost of goods are. So for today's example, we're just going to pretend we're using a can of paint like I did when I had my paint store. And a can of paint will pretend that it cost us $10 to purchase that paint from said distributor. So $10, can of paint comes. Now, one thing that we didn't attach to that is how much did it cost us to get it shipped there? So let's just use for this example, our shipping cost on average now, it's real important to operate on a law of averages and give yourself a cushion. So we're going to just use $2 for this example. But even if sometimes your supplier offers maybe a discount where they say, hey, for X amount, we'll do free shipping, you still always want to have a standard shipping cost that's factored on every product. The next thing we want to add into our cost of goods is all of our expenses, what I call fixed expenses, our mortgage, our power bill, our insurance, all the things that make the world go round in our business, we have to calculate our fixed expenses into that equation. 
So just for this example, we'll use our fixed expenses average $3. So $10 for the product, $2 for the shipping, and $3 now is our fixed expenses. So now we get into our variable expenses. Variable expenses are things like advertising, maybe even compensation. You're always going to have compensation, but what if you hire extra help because it's a peak season? So in our variable expense, we're going to itemize all these things out so we understand what it's costing us. Now let's just use an example of three more dollars is what that cost us. The cost of the product is now $18. And from $18, we might be selling this product for $15, thinking that, hey, we paid $10 for it. We're selling it for $15. So we're making a $5 profit. Well, that's not the case. In this example, we're actually losing $3 for every can of paint we sell. Well, it's impossible to outrun those odds when every time you sell a product, the business really isn't making money. Now, let's just use a more likely example. Let's say that we're selling that product for $20, so we're making a $2 profit. The problem is, is that when we look at it, when we set up our business structure, we probably said, okay, our product costs $10, we're selling it for $20, we're making $10 a unit. If we sell 100 units, we make X. And so that's how we came to our business plan. So make sure... When you hash out your business plan, it makes sense to the numbers and that you're calculating your fixed expenses, your variable expenses, and you still leave enough margin on the end to where you can pay the bills and take home a healthy profit. Now, I just used the dirty word, profit. Here's one of the funniest things in business is every person you interview understands, you could ask 100 people, hey, do you think this business is making money? And no one is ever going to say, no, we don't think they're making money. They think, well, they wouldn't be selling it if they weren't making money. That's the standard thought behind everyone's, anyone who's selling a product. And the fact is, that's just not the case. I'm sure some of you have seen a coupon before where you can go buy a, you know, a limit to 10 cans of beans for $0.22 cents a piece. Well, those, I guarantee you they're not making money when they're selling those products. And we rush out and we purchase as many as they'll let us. We send our cousin to go because it's a limit 10 per person and our aunt and our uncle and that's fine. But the idea behind those promotions is not to sell and make profit on cans of beans. It's to drive traffic to the store. So we'll talk a little bit more about that. But before we get too far, I want to go ahead and talk about one of our first questions that came in on the Facebook page this week. Let me pull it up here. And again, if you want to post a question on here, I'll be happy to answer them each week. It's facebook.com backslash the Chase Channel Show. You post it up and I'm going to answer it. The first question for today comes from Eric. Eric says, I'm sure there are many variables that got you to the level of success you're currently at. I would like to hear your top two or three traits you felt played the biggest role in getting you to where you are now in life. Thanks, Eric. That's a great question, Eric. So this one's really simple, but a lot of people I think probably over-process it. My top two or three traits would be one, I'm really, really consistent. And consistency is one of the most important aspects in success in business. Anybody can show up who's really talented and do a great job for one day. But it takes a really special person to be able to show up and day in and day out produce results. In the business world, no one cares if you have one good day because we have to produce those same results over a period of time. The second trait I would say played the biggest role is my communication skills. I'm a great communicator with people and my ability to let everyone know how I feel or when I feel or even there's a lot of politics in the workplace. So being able to communicate is extremely important. 
The third, and this one's really tough because everyone says, oh, well, it just doesn't work out, is just timing. I've had very fortunate timing, which has made me successful, but I was prepared when the time presented itself. Now, again, I'm going to repeat that. I was prepared when the time presented itself. So opportunities come up in the workplace, and I've offered promotions to people before, and they say, well, I just don't know if I'd really be able to do that. Well, what kind of mindset is that if you want to move up the ranks, but you're not prepared to take on the next role? So always remember in your business, what can I be doing to be prepared for if the opportunity came along for me to take advantage of it? So that's a great question, Eric. Those are my three traits that I would say helped me become successful. And you're in control of all those. Uh, one of them that I, I think we should talk about a little more is the communication side in those traits. And Politics and business, it just exists. So when I say workplace politics, I think most of you know what I mean. But if you don't, all I'm talking about is, is who's the boss? Is this guy brown nosing this guy? Who's telling this, you know, whispering in his ear that he's doing a good job or not? Or maybe they're managing to keep you in an existing position. Whatever the case may be, when these things come up, you have to be able to communicate and put yourself out there where everyone who is a decision maker can say, wow, Chase is doing a good job. John's doing a good job. We're going to move him up. So how do we do that? Well, I've been fortunate that, A, I'm very observing when I'm in the workplace. I say, okay, who's really the decision maker and who's the greatest influencer of that decision maker? And that's a real simple thing to find out. You just kind of pay attention to what's going on. You can always see uh, the little groups that people will get in and they'll talk and they'll gossip. All these things are bad for business, but they're real. And then they go on day in and day out. So all we have to do is manage our surroundings. The way we do that is we say, okay, if John's in charge, what is it that John looks for in people? Now, this is a great thing that a lot of people don't know. If you want to know what someone looks for in others, just look at them. All you have to do is mirror how they dress, how they talk, their mannerisms, their, you know, all the things that make them who they are. People like like-minded people, and they like people who remind them of themselves. So just remember, whoever the boss is or whoever the, the regional manager or the president of the company is, all you have to do is take a look at him and say, what are his core values? What's important to him? Do those align with mine? Because sometimes they don't. You might have a boss who's in, into Scientology, and he says, hey, I really want to push this on to you. And maybe that's not important to you. And you say, listen, I'm a Christian or these are my beliefs and I don't want to be a part of that. So that's a time where you might say, hey, I need to find a different company because his beliefs and my beliefs don't align. So just looking at who's in charge and saying, how can I communicate to where when they see me, they say, hey, wow, I, I see that. Here's a quick example of that from my life. And I remember that the boss at the time, I was selling cars, and he was the general manager of the store, and he always was dressed really, really nice, but he had on a real kind of, uh, I guess you would say, uh, obvious or it stood out uh, belt. You'd always see him, and you'd say, man, that's different. So I asked one of the other guys, I said, hey, what kind of belt is that? And they said, oh, he only wears Johnston & Murphy. I said, oh, Johnston & Murphy. I never heard of them. So I go online, I look it up, and it's expensive, but it's not that expensive, and uh, it's kind of a conservative high-end company. You'll see a lot of conservative business people who wear Johnston and Murphy products. So I purchase a belt, order some shoes, and I show up to work three days later. And when I walk in, Brian stops me. He says, hey, 
where'd you get your belt? I said, oh, this belt, this is a Johnson and Murphy. Oh, I know what it is. But instantly we had something to talk about. Now, had I not had on a Johnson and Murphy belt or shoes, well, I might not have had that conversation with at the time, the GM who's, you know, 10 levels above me and doesn't talk to me. But instead we have a conversation. And when he walks away, he says, Hey, you know what? That chase guy, he might not be so bad after all. So I know that a lot of people listening will say to themselves, well, I'm going to be myself and I'm just going to do what I want to do. And that's fine. That's why you'll stay in the position that you're in and you won't move up the ranks. So call it what you want, but I'm calling it real. And that's just, you got to do what it takes in business to set yourself apart. To me, it doesn't matter what I wear. If it makes me stand out, great. If it doesn't, I'm not going to wear it. So just keep those things in mind. And remember, little things make a big difference in business. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we have more questions from the Facebook page, and we're going to cover a few more of those. And then also, we have our text line set up now. So if you want to text into the show, the number to text is 731-215-0158. This is 105.3, the talk of Jackson, and you're listening to Strictly Business. You're listening to Strictly Business with Chase Channel. Thanks for listening to 105.3 The Talk of Jackson. Don't go anywhere. Chase will be back right after this. Dribble into deals this March at Victory Honda of Jackson. Hi, I'm Chase Channel, General Manager. And right now, during the Honda Dream Garage Spring event, make zero down payment, zero security deposit, and zero first month's payment on select brand new Hondas. Plus, you won't have to make a single payment until summer. That's right, no payments until summer. And when you upgrade your vehicle at Victory Honda, we'll give you 125% of the book value for your trade. For complete details, visit VictoryHondaJackson.com, then come into Victory Honda on Highway 45 Bypass and save big with no payments until summer. So come in today and score this three-point deal right here at Victory Honda. With approved credit through HFS, not all buyers or vehicles will qualify. Offers don't combine, plus tax, title, license, and $4.99 dealer fee. Payments deferred by lender, 125% of black with wholesale value minus restocking, reconditioning, and mileage fees. Subject to a clean Carfax report. See dealer for complete details. Offer expires 331.18. What's going on, everyone? We're back. This is 105.3, the talk of Jackson, and you're listening to Strictly Business. My name's Chase Channel. I'm your host, and we left off talking about profit is not a dirty word. We also talked about how to move up in the workplace from a question from our Facebook page and some of the traits that I felt played the biggest role in helping me get where I am. We're going to go right back to the Facebook page, and we're going to take the next question, which is from Brian. Brian says, what is the best piece of advice that you could give to someone looking to start a business? Well, that seems like a loaded question, Brian, but I think I can give uh, some pointers that will at least help you in deciding if maybe the business is right for you. So we all know that 75 or 90%, the number's astronomical of businesses fail over time. So you have to decide, is your business sustainable long-term or short-term, meaning is this a business that maybe it's a pipeline contract that comes up and uh, you're an experienced welder and you say, I want to put a bid on this? Well, that could be a long-term business, but the project's short-term, so we can't make our plans. I can't buy a million-dollar bulldozer thinking that, well, if I get a lot more of these, I can pay for it. What I can do is say, okay, can I make it work knowing that this is the only project I have? So the first question, 
is, is this business sustainable over long-term or short-term? Now, that's a tough question because the market changes constantly. Um, give you an example, look at how much the car business has changed over the course of 50 years. Sure, we're still selling cars, but the way we sell them, the way we go to market, uh, what if you were a uh, Pontiac dealer in the 90s? Do you think anyone would have ever thought Pontiac would be out of business today? So those are real things to think about. But I think one of the biggest basic concepts in starting a business that's overlooked is a real simple one, but it's did we really plan out what we're going to do? And in business plans, everyone always is full of ideas. They say, well, I'm going to open a flower shop or I think an ice cream parlor would do great. I'll never forget, I knew a guy and he said, uh, and he was a real dreamer. He was always wanting to live the American dream, always said, I can do more. And he says, you know what? I'm going to open up a hot dog stand. I said, a hot dog stand? And the town we were in is a small town I grew up in, in Elkins, West Virginia. And he says, yeah, I'm going to open up a hot dog stand and it'll do really good. And there's no place that does 24 hours a day and all, all these different things. Um, so anyway, through this, I'm thinking to myself, well, you know, maybe that would work. I mean, I don't know. Hot dog stand sounds good. People like hot dogs. There's been successful hot dog stands in the world. So then uh, he went right after it. I mean, he leased a place. He put a lot of work into the facility, got coolers, got everything in there. And then he opens up. Now, when he opens up for business, he was great, gr grossly undercapitalized. And so I show up there one night, and this is a 24-hour spot. And it's kind of funny because really McDonald's is the only place that's open 24 hours a day there. But he says, uh, I walk in, he says, well, here's the menu, but we only have, uh, you know, these, these items, uh, the rest of the stuff we're out of right now. So normally out of could be a good thing if you're just selling a lot, but he was out of because he was undercapitalized. He couldn't afford to purchase all the food for the menu. So I get to talking to him. I say, how are sales? How are things going? And, you know, he says, well, they're going good. And most people are always going to be optimistic about their business. But in the end, the business didn't last. Uh, he was probably out of business within months. And the concept, which was all great in his mind, just didn't work out on paper. So one quick thing that you can do when you're thinking about starting a business is look at some test markets and try to do a proof of concept. Meaning, how can we start this for the least amount of money possible just to see if there's a business here? The, uh, the owner, the Varsity is a world-famous hot dog place in Atlanta. And the way the Varsity started was with a hot dog stand. The guy was at uh, trying to sell hot dogs on the campus of Georgia Tech, and they ran him off. They said, you can't sell hot dogs here. You know, we don't want you on campus. So he goes across the street with his hot dog stand, and the product was good. The chili's fantastic. The onions are, are wonderful. And today, the Varsity is the number one hot dog place in the world, it's right across from the Georgia Tech campus. When you walk in the door, the famous tagline is, what do you have? What do you have? And it's just a, it just goes to show that in, in this example, he started with a cart and ends up with the world's biggest you know, hot dog place. Versus in my friend's example, he came up with the idea, tried to build it out in his mind. And sometimes we get too caught up on the building or the facility. The one thing that makes businesses last are sales. You have to sell products. Without sales, nothing's sustainable. You don't need accounting personnel. We don't need a marketing department. 
We don't need the janitor. We don't need anybody if the product does not sell. Now, here's the real kicker is no one likes being in sales, which is what I do. But remembering that sales is what keeps that engine running in a business, and it's what provides all those other jobs, it's important that we remember how important that sales for any business are. So that's a fantastic question. I hope that helps anyone who's thinking of opening up a business. But let's see, we have some more questions on here. This question is from Chris. This one looks like it's really difficult, but we'll see if we can get through it. Chris says, many business owners may wonder, will a mobile app help my business? I'd like to try, but how do I avoid getting ripped off by a developer? What do I put inside the app? I don't have time to create new content. I'm sure that would help some folks. Uh, thanks and good luck with the show. Great question, Chris. Appreciate the comments. Um, so the a mobile app or anything, um, apps are kind of a way of the future. And for those of you who don't know what a mobile app is, it's an app which will be placed on any smartphone device, whether it's Apple or Android. You can then click into that app and it gives you a mobile functionality behind it. So websites for businesses in general are normally designed to work on a computer. They're not designed to work on a cell phone. So now technology is advanced enough where you can have what's called a mobile site for your website and a regular site. And it will detect if somebody's trying to find your website via cell phone or if they're using their computer. Now, a mobile site is a, a lot more condensed because it's small, it's on a cell phone. So you just want the key topics that people could be looking for. Good example would be a call now button, a directions button. So when someone clicks with their cell phone, they're usually looking for specific information versus if they are at home on their desktop, maybe they're looking for more information. They want to research. Uh, in our business, we have apps, we have uh, desktop, and we have the mobile sites. The mobile site will usually say like find inventory, directions, talk to us now. And so those are important things to remember. But to answer the question, uh, in the mobile app space, I would recommend A, deciding if if it's even right for your business, first of all. So, you know, maybe, you know, if just as an example, let's talk about if we're a realtor and we say, well, would a mobile app be good for me? The first thing I would be thinking of is how could I get enough users on the mobile app to make it make sense? Are they already using apps like Zillow? Are they using an app like, uh, you know, one of these other real estate apps that are out there? And what would make mine different to drive people in this area to my personal app and then does my app have enough content to keep them interested, which is a question that was on there. So one of the things, if I was really thinking about doing an app, and let's pretend I'm a realtor for this example, I would think about white labeling. Now, what that means is I would probably find someone who already has the content, like a Zillow or like, and I would say, hey, is there a way that I could brand myself using your app and your content? meaning there's no reason to go reinvent the app if it's already been invented. Just go out and see if they'll let you private brand it, which most companies will. Now, a company like Zillow might not. They might say, hey, listen, we have some technology here that is exclusive to us. We don't want you having a part of that, but it doesn't hurt to ask. But there's a lot of product developers out there that come up with great ideas that are full of content, and they'll let you white label that product where you can just have it say Chase's Real Estate Group, and then when you click inside, it works similar to another site, which may be an MLS site or a site that helps you search in those listings. So 
that's what I would do is I would look into that. Now, as far as not getting ripped off, it's the same with everything you do in your business. You just got to do a lot of due diligence. And the number one thing that I always say is, is call references. Now, don't call the references they give you. You got to call references for people that they really use and ask how the product is. How's the customer service? If you need help, do they answer the phone? Anyone can find three friends and say, these are my references. And you call them and they're like, oh, this is a wonderful app developer. You have nothing to worry about. And then you get ripped off. The second thing to check is look online. Usually online reviews don't lie. There's a lot of reputation management companies and people who clean up your, your image. But remember that if you look online, there's websites like ripoffreport.com where people can post on there and they say, hey, I've had a bad experience with this. The second thing I would always check is their Better Business Bureau rating. Now on the BBB, even in my business, I get complaints from time to time. And when we get those complaints, the way it works is the BBB is a moderator between the business and the customer. Basically, when the consumer feels like I'm not getting the help I need and the dealer's not willing to help me or the business owner's not willing to help me, they can file a complaint. The BBB then sends a message to the, the business and says, here's the customer's complaint, and it gives you a chance to respond. So uh, during that, it's important that when you read those, uh, like I always post all of ours public where anyone can look at our BBB uh, page and they can see what the complaint was and what our responses were. And the reason I do that is because no business is perfect. We're all going to have things that come up or complaints. And it's important that not so much, well, did we have a complaint, but what did we do to, to rectify it? And if you see a business that's trying to help and they say, well, you know, we'd love to help you, Mr. Customer, and, and they're making a, you know, an effort to, to do the right thing, then you know that you're probably in good hands. But remember that just do the due diligence regardless of those circumstances so you can make sure that you're properly vetting out any, and that's what goes with not just an app developer, but vetting out a vendor's period is super important. One of the biggest wasted expenses in business is we try vendors. It's always the try. Well, let's give them a try, they'll say. So try to eliminate the tries. Only deal with reputable businesses and people who, uh, who have taken the time to build, that rep, to build that reputation. And that's an important token to think about when you're a vendor or you're trying to sell your service or business. What have you done to build some credibility? And sometimes to get to have credibility, you have to offer your services for free even. Say, hey, we're willing to do this because we want to show you how our product works. I had a friend of mine, he called me the other day and he said, hey, I'm thinking about using this uh, software and it'll list my products online. So I'll be able to list, you know, 300,000 uh, SKUs of our product and it'll go straight from the warehouse and they, they'll list it on Amazon. And this just sounds wonderful. And I said, well, how do you know if, if you know, anything will sell? well, I, I don't know that it'll work. I said, well, what do they want you to spend? He says, well, they want 2000 a month on a two-year contract. So I'm sitting here going, okay, they want $48,000, and you don't know if you're going to sell anything, let alone if you do sell it, is the margin good enough to pay the forty eight grand, and then on top of that, uh, you know, make any money for yourself. So I said, listen, you need to call them up and say, I don't know if this will work or not, but if your software works as good as you say it works, then we'll do a two-year contract right after we do a test run for 60 days where you're going to let me use it for free and see how it goes. Now, during that 60-day time, if I sell X amount of products, 
I'm going to go ahead and pay you the asking price of the $2,000. But if I don't sell anything, I'm not going to pay you at all. Now, if my product really works and I'm this listing company, do you think I would have any problems with doing that deal? No, the answer is no, because I know the product works. I'm just going to get a customer now because I'm going to prove it with standing behind what I, what my product says. If they say, well, no, we don't really do that. Well, then guess what? Obviously what they're trying to sell doesn't work. They're just trying to hook you on a two-year contract. And then whether you succeed or not doesn't matter to them. So remember to align yourself with partners in business that are vested in your success, that they want to say, okay, we do want you to spend ad dollars with us, but we want to see that your business gets results from them. Not just someone who takes, 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 and doesn't provide anything. Those are great questions. We're going to come back and we're going to answer more questions. Again, the number to text if you want to text in a question is 731-215-0158. If you want to call in and ask a question, you can. The phone number is 731-499-3865. Or you can post online at facebook.com backslash the Chase Channel Show. I'm Chase Channel and you're listening to 105.3 The Talk of Jackson. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to Strictly Business with Chase Channel. Thanks for listening to 105.3 The Talk of Jackson. Don't go anywhere. Chase will be back right after this. Dribble into deals this March at Victory Honda of Jackson. Hi, I'm Chase Channel, General Manager. And right now, during the Honda Dream Garage Spring event, make zero down payment, zero security deposit, and zero first month's payment on select brand new Hondas. Plus, you won't have to make a single payment until summer. That's right, no payments until summer. And when you upgrade your vehicle at Victory Honda, we'll give you 125% of the book value for your trade. For complete details, visit VictoryHondaJackson.com, then come into Victory Honda on Highway 45 Bypass and save big with no payments until summer. So come in today and score this three-point deal right here at Victory Honda. With approved credit through HFS, not all buyers or vehicles will qualify. Offers don't combine, plus tax, title, license, and $4.99 dealer fee. Payments deferred by lender, 125% of black with wholesale value minus restocking, reconditioning, and mileage fees. Subject to a clean Carfax report. See dealer for complete details. Offer expires 331.18. And we're back. You're listening to 105.3, The Talk of Jackson. This is Strictly Business. I'm your host, Chase Channel, and we're talking about all things business. And for the next 90 minutes, we got more to cover. We're going to go right back to the questions. We left off talking about, uh, we've had a question so far about what made me successful in business. We had a more specific question about uh, return on investment when it comes to using an app and creating content for your business. And uh, now we're going to go to our Facebook page and we have a question from James. James says, Chase, I currently do commercial auto parts account sales and want to move into a regional sales role. I'm worried that my lack of sales experience could hold me back. I'm glad to have found your show. I hope you can help. Appreciate the kind words, James. And that's a great question. Uh, commercial auto parts, I have actually have a little experience with that, so I think I would uh, be able to give you a few pointers. One thing to remember, James, is moving up into the role, in the regional role, <coughs> is less sales and more relationships. So the first question to ask yourself is, do you not want to do it because of the S word? 
The S word means sales, and it's a dirty word to so many people. They say, I don't want to be a salesman. I'll give you a really funny example of this. In Atlanta, we were hiring salespeople, and we didn't have much success. So we'd run job fairs for salespeople, and you name it, and the sales position paid a lot more than we came up with. We said, we'll, we'll try to run an ad for a customer service rep, which would do sales. So I run an ad for customer service rep, and I wake up, and I have 100 applications overnight. Now, for sales, I'd be lucky if I had two. So it's funny that when you just change the name from sales to customer service rep, people would rather work for less because they're terrified to have to sell something. So sounds like James might be a little scared to get into sales, and that's okay because a lot of people are. Sales is my expertise, so we'll talk about this a little bit more, James. I think that it's important to remember, like I said, it's a relationship-style business. In commercial parts sales to auto dealerships or body shops, it's all about servicing the account, meaning that the sales made when you've originally signed that account. Then all the purchases thereafter, they only happen because of the service. So if I call and I say, hey, uh, you know, could we get this product? And the store says, well, we have it on back order and it'll be a couple weeks. And let's say the business is really in a crunch and they say, man, we need this product. If the store says, well, sorry, there's nothing I can do, you might lose that account. That's where you're going to come in as this regional account role. You got to call on these clients and say, hey, are we taking good care of you on the store level? Is there more we can do to make sure that you know we're servicing you the way you want to be taken care of? I know we're doing a great job there. That's wonderful. Is there anything you guys need for me? Now, a lot of people in this role, James, and this is good news for you, they're what I like to call donut droppers. Now, donut droppers are people who have sales positions, but they're terrified to sell anything. So instead, they make their weekly rounds with donuts and they just drop them off because they know every every dealer, every business owner in America will take some free donuts. Surely they won't be mean to me if I give them donuts. And so they walk in, they say, oh, hi, I'm just stopping by and wanted to bring you some donuts. Now, they might get brave and try to segue into something, but really you already know they're terrified. That's why they brought the donuts. So maybe the guy you're taking's job, he's a donut dropper. So don't be a donut dropper. Do your accounts uh, uh, some good and say, how can I help you increase your business? When you look at it and you say, I'm going to put my client first, and if I can increase their profits, if I can increase their revenues, then they're going to do more business with me, then you're going to be successful. So don't be scared of the sales side because in that role, you really need no sales background. All you have to do is have a little care from the side of saying, you know what? I'm going to make this happen regardless of the circumstances. Now, this can be extremely rewarding in business, so I'm going to talk about this for a moment. In the paint business, we signed a lot of accounts, and a lot of those accounts are like cabinet shops, wood finishing shops, and they're accounts that do business year-round, just like these auto accounts that James is asking about. So in that business, I remember walking in, and I'd start off by getting my foot in the door, just selling them one product. Because once I've got them buying from me, then everything else I can add on later. So you don't want to walk in the door and say, hey, uh, we want you to buy everything we've got from us and don't buy from anyone else. You have to get your foot in the door. So the way you do that is you pick the best product you have that you think you can save them the most amount of money on. And you're gonna, that's the product you're going to present. And you're going to say, hey, look, 
it looks like you've got a lot of great products you're using, but why don't you give this product a try? I can save you some money and it's a superior product to X. So just think about that and give us a try. Now, once they get in the door and they say, wow, we did like that product and man, you did save us some money. Now it opens up the door where you can start asking about other products because we have the trust factor. They say, hey, Chase took care of us. He gave us a great product. The price was right. He saved us some money. And everything he's told us so far has been the truth. So it opens up the door to where I can start earning more business. Now, I had an account, one of my best accounts while I was in business. And I started out selling them a product that they didn't buy very much of. But I knew that if I got them just purchasing from me, I could work my way up. So I really wowed them with the service. I wowed them with the price and got them using this product. And then they said, okay, what can you do for us on some of these other products? Well, at this time, I, eventually I got their whole account on board. So they're buying everything, everything under the sun from me. And I started expanding more because in my business, I think, well, I've got a business license. So if they're buying this product, what stops me from selling it? Sure, I'm a paint store, but um, give, just as an example, I remember they were using a glue. And I said, well, where do you buy that? And they said, oh, we order it from such and such. I said, okay. Uh, well, do you use a lot of it? Oh, yeah, we use by the pallets. I'm thinking, pallets of this? Wow. So I go back and I, I write down the name of it. And I say, where can I get this product from? So I start looking for different vendors. Well, right away I spot it. And it was actually in a vendor that I already used. They were paying $4 a tube for this glue. And I could purchase it for $1.25 a tube. So I'm thinking, holy cow, I just hit the jackpot on this on this glue. So I go down and I said, hey, great news. I can save you some money, plus I'll service it and stock it just like we do all the other stuff so you don't have to worry about ordering it and going through the hassle. They said, that's fantastic. I saved them money, and that was one of the biggest profit centers that I ever had from that account. But remembering to keep your eyes open and don't think, well, just because we don't have that product means we don't want to sell it. If somebody's buying a lot of it, we got to figure out what it is so that we can see if there's a way that we can sell them that product, maybe for a better price and provide that better service along with it. So that's an important thing to keep in mind, James, when you're servicing these accounts is to remember it's the service side that's important. And I can tell you in the auto parts business that a lot of consumers out there a lot of these auto parts, they're, they're manufactured from the same places. So they're manufactured here and then they roll out and this one goes to advanced. This one goes to O'Reilly. This, so this one goes to a Napa. So a lot of these products are the same. Some of them may be a little higher quality. So the price point matters, but when you're in a crunch and you're a dealer or you're a service center and you call the parts store and you say, Hey, we need this. The most important thing is that they can deliver when you need it the most because those instances are always going to come up. So always have uh, a plan together where you can say, hey, we're going to deliver this product to you. A funny story, I remember that uh, one of my largest accounts called and they said, hey, we're out of this product. I said, man, it, you know, the snowstorm had came in and I said, there's, I just don't know how to get it to you. I said, there's no way I can get this product from the plant to where you need it, uh, you know, in North Carolina. And I was in West Virginia there. They need the product in in North Carolina, and the product is uh, is actually manufactured in right outside of Richmond. So they said, "Well, listen, we got to have it." And these are one of my best accounts. So I said, "You know what? I know there's no way a truck will do it. How much do you have to have to just get by?" 
They said, well, we could probably get by with 40 gallons or whatever the number was. And I remember that I could fit that in my pickup truck. So this was it probably six or seven at night that they tell me, hey, we got to have this. And they needed it the next day. So I called my supplier and I said, hey, here's the deal. I need this stuff. I know you're not there, but can you have somebody set it out by the dumpster? And I'm going to come get it tonight. So I drove over the mountains in one of the worst snowstorms I think I ever drove through. And these mountains are so just desolate between West Virginia and Richmond. As you're going over there, there's absolutely nothing. And it's these switchbacks and you're going up and down. And I'm thinking, man, I don't know if I'm ever going to make it or not. But I knew I had to do it for my customer. So as I got there, I put the paint in from the, the from behind the dumpster. I get in my truck, drive it down to North Carolina, deliver it to them, and then I'm heading back. Of course, I'm operating on no sleep. And, you know, the one thing that's that's important to remember for this is that do you think that customer will ever buy from anyone but me? When you do something like that and bend over backwards for one of your clients, they remember it forever. And they remember that that's the service that they're paying for. So sometimes it might come down to they say, hey, we found a vendor and they said they could get us a little better price. Well, price will kind of go out of the equation when you've been over backwards to provide a service like that. So that's important to keep that in mind and remember that in the service positions like James is talking about, that it's not so much a sales position as it is a relationship position. So don't be a donut dropper. And uh, that's my advice for the sales position. So great question, James. Appreciate you sending it in. We're going to take another short break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some more questions from the page. And in the second hour, you're in luck because I have a really special guest we're going to talk to and get some information from him. He won't need much of an introduction, but we're going to get him on the on the phone and we're going to talk to him. He's going to tell us a little bit about his story, and then I'm going to drill him with some questions. So thanks for listening to Strictly Business. This is 105.3, The Talk of Jackson. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to Strictly Business with Chase Channel. Thanks for listening to 105.3, The Talk of Jackson. Don't go anywhere. Chase will be back right after this. Dribble into deals this March at Victory Honda of Jackson. Hi, I'm Chase Channel, General Manager. And right now, during the Honda Dream Garage Spring event, make zero down payment, zero security deposit, and zero first month's payment on select brand new Hondas. Plus, you won't have to make a single payment until summer. That's right, no payments until summer. And when you upgrade your vehicle at Victory Honda, we'll give you 125% of the book value for your trade. For complete details, visit VictoryHondaJackson.com, then come into Victory Honda on Highway 45 Bypass and save big with no payments until summer. So come in today and score this three-point deal right here at Victory Honda. With approved credit through HFS, not all buyers or vehicles will qualify. Offers don't combine, plus tax, title, license, and $4.99 dealer fee. Payments deferred by lender. 125% of black with wholesale value minus restocking, reconditioning, and mileage fees. Subject to a clean Carfax report. See dealer for complete details. Offer expires 331.18. We're back. You're listening to Strictly Business on 105.3, The Talk of Jackson. We've been running down all sorts of questions and topics, as we will do each week. So I want to make sure that everyone's got the text line. You can text in your questions to 
888-433-0158. Or you can give us a call at 731-499-3865. Check us out on Facebook at facebook.com backslash the Chase Channel Show. Make sure you post your questions on Facebook. I can answer them all throughout the week. So if something comes up, you're in a bind or you don't know what to do, throw it on there and I promise I'll get to you in no time. So we're going to go to the text line here. We got a question in and we've covered a lot of different content so far, but let's see, this looks like a good question. It says, how do you handle negative feedback on Facebook? Well, that's a good question and a great topic. And it's actually what I think one of my favorite topics that's going on right now, because we're at a time where social media is really changing how everyone processes information, how we perceive things, and uh, really how we interact with each other. So, And it can work for the good or the bad. So in social media, you always want to have a presence for your business, promoting your business and doing those things. But what happens when the customer who's mad posts on there and they make negative remarks? Sometimes you're blown away by what they say and you think, wow, I can't believe. I've even had clients that thanked me and then went and put negative reviews on there. So it happens. One thing to remember is, A, oftentimes they think that no one's watching. So they think they're going to post the worst thing they can post for and hope that someone else sees it and that they read it and don't do business with you. So remember this, that they're, they're just mad by whatever transpired. Sometimes you can save it, and sometimes you can't. So the first thing is, is to look at what their complaint is. The second thing is, you have to take emotion out of it. That's one of the hardest things to do, because as humans, when we're attacked, we want to attack back. But you have to remember, this is a business transaction. It's not an emotional thing. They're not mad at me. They might be mad at something I said, mad at something I did, but they're mad at the business transaction. It's, it's, not, it's not personal. If you take it personal, it, it never works out because you'll post back and they'll post back. And then you never want to draw these things out online. You want to make sure that they understand that you appreciate the feedback, acknowledge it, and then do what we call offline the, the customer. So we want to handle the complaint offline. Now, remember this. In today's world, people can screenshot your post. So even it's not like we get them offline and then we're mean to them again or whatever their complaint is, when you get them offline, you want to still be professional and handle it the right way. But the big thing is you don't want to get into an argument because you're never going to win. One of the standard questions I always ask upset customers is they'll come in and they're so mad and they'll be venting, are you the manager? Yeah. And they'll, I mean, they just want to let you have it. And that's part of being a management and being an owner. And they'll say, well, and they give you the peace of mind. And then I always follow up with a question. I say, okay, that's great. So how can I help? And they usually look, and sometimes they'll vent more. And then you'll go, okay, I got it. So how could I help? And the fact is, they usually don't know what they even want. They don't understand what the resolution is that they want. So then I try to help them understand that we want to help. But you have to put yourself in our shoes too and say, what is it that we can do to help? So again, when negative feedback comes up online, make sure that you address it. Make sure that you offline the complaint and then listen to it because a lot of I've had a lot of clients over the years, they just want to vent. And when the venting's done, they go, oh, thanks for listening. I'm really sorry about being mean. 
you know, we, we really do like doing business here. So remember that it's so easy to write off a client and you say, you know what, they were mad they were mean to me or they were rude and you just write them off. But I always say the only way that you win in business is if you keep them as a customer and you keep them buying from you. Now, occasionally there are times in business where you'll have to fire a customer. That's right. You heard it right. You'll have to fire a customer. Now, we're not even going to get into that right now because it's a long, complicated process by which you would do this. But what we're talking about is don't write off the customer just because they left some negative reviews. What my goal always is when someone leaves something negative is to win them back over to where they feel so good about it. They go back online and I always tell them this. I say, listen, I don't want you to change what you posted. All I want you to do is add a comment below that says what we did to make it right and how you really feel about us. And I can tell you some of the nicest comments I've ever received in business are from mad customers that then went online and decided, hey, they did the right thing, they took care of me, and they posted it. Now, the reason we want that to show on there is because if we pull up a page and it's nothing but five-star reviews, well, we already know that that's not accurate. We know that they're, they're, maybe they're paying for people to do surveys or they're saying, hey, for everyone that gives us a perfect survey, we'll give them a, a free prize or you're entered into this, or which is all great. Everyone wants to have a good reputation online. But remember that negative feedback is just part of life. So don't get upset about it. Don't lose sleep over it. Don't read them throughout the night when you pull up your business page and you go, it's 11 and someone put on there how terrible you are. It'll be there tomorrow. You can address it tomorrow. And all you want to do is, like I said, make sure that you take the emotions out of it because you can't get caught up and wound up, which is what sometimes they want. They want to get a reaction out of you. So remember to keep calm and just think about what would Chase do in this situation. And all you want to do is post the comment. Now, this is the fun part of, of this. In small business and in big business, the new trend is respond relevant, meaning that if somebody posts something absurd, give them a, an absurd response. Now, there's been, uh, I think there was a school district in Georgia, I think it was Cobb County Schools, that on Twitter was posting funny stuff when parents were like complaining on social media about why they let school out for this weather or why, and, and they would post back really, really funny responses. But if you just get a chance, you can type, uh, you just go to Google and you can type in, uh, funny social media, you know, business interactions or business responses and reading through them. Some of them really went over for the business. I mean, they really took a, uh, from a complaint to raving fans from, and a lot of times they, they get, they gain a lot of support from other people. The business does, you know, people that are being ridiculous or asking for, you know, crazy requests. And in business with social media, you got to be careful because it's almost like extortion, a customer can go and say whatever they want about you with no merit. They don't have to prove that they were at your store. They don't have to prove that what happened happened. They can just post and they can put whatever they want about you on there. So remember that you don't want to you don't want to let social media or these these comments get to the point where the customer is extorting you to say, "Hey, we want this free service, and if you don't do it, we're going to do this." So make sure that you remember. The relevant post response, they're the funniest thing going. In small business, you can have a lot of fun with it because odds are if you had a bad interaction with a customer or you made them mad, 
maybe you dropped the ball. They special ordered an item. It didn't come in. You didn't communicate it to them properly. Does that mean you're a bad business? No, it just means you're human. So, but in doing that, you know, sometimes we get caught up where we won't do a, a large enough concession for the customer. Consumers are programmed that when something goes wrong, the first thing that comes to mind is what can I get for free? Now, that's with direct TV. That's with our cell phone providers. That's with everyone we interact with. They go, oh, well, you messed up, so what do I get? And businesses have created this culture because the first thing they want to do is throw free stuff at people when they're mad to try to make them happy. And I understand sometimes that maybe offering a little extra discount because they waited too long is, is you know. Here's an example. In our business, in the car business, oil change and services we try to do in 45 minutes. Now, most people would think, wow, an oil change, 45 minutes, you know, that's not too long, but it's not too short. You should be able to do that. Yet, I can't tell you how many times I've had a complaint where the customer says, I waited four hours for my oil, oil change. Now, do, does that mean I think that every employee that I have was just maliciously saying, hey, we're going to see how long we can get them to wait? No, there's circumstances that happen and someone drops the ball, and then the customer is the one that, you know, that waits. Now, will they ever do business with us again? That's not always something that I know. But I always ask myself, if we're going to do something to make it right, does it really make it right? Or am I just giving them a permission slip to every time something goes wrong to ask me for more discount? I would rather pay more up front and know that they're a customer for life and they're really happy than I would to just say, okay, they're appeased with it, but they're still never coming back for service. So remember that when someone's upset, if you can't get them to really be a raving fan again, what good does it do to give them free services? It doesn't do anything. So try to win them back over, win them back over for your business, and make sure that you're posting those relevant content when you're, when you're on there. And make sure that you can be funny, you can be real, because the more people read and can say, wow, this is a real person, the more that they want to do business with you because they realize this isn't a robot. You know, this isn't some company like, uh, you know, big corporate conglomerate going, uh, thank you for your response and feedback. We'll be sure to look into it. I mean, great. They saw it. They're acknowledging it. Will they do anything about it? Who knows? And most consumers, that's what they want to know is they say all the time, well, I don't know if you'll do anything about it, but, and then they give you an earful. So just remember they want results. They want to know as a customer that they're not going to have to go through this again. And oftentimes you'll even have them say, well, even if, if it happened to me, I don't want other people to have to deal with it. Okay, fair enough. So a lot of times they look more for resolution. I've even said things to people like, hey, listen, I really appreciate you bringing that to our attention. We hadn't even thought of that before. So we're going to make sure to put some changes in place such as X, Y, and Z so that that doesn't ever happen in the future. Now, Mr. Customer, do you think that those would be sufficient or is there any other, you know, uh, advice that you could offer us to, to help fix that. And then let them think of something. When all of a sudden it's switched around where they have to look at it from your perspective and your limitations sometimes, they go, well, no, we think that would be great. But make them part of the solution and you'll have a lot better results. So that's a fantastic question from our text line. Again, if you want to text in a question, the number to text is 731-215-0158. If you want to call and talk, it's 731-499-3865. Or you can check us out at facebook.com backslash The Chase Channel Show. 
I'm Chase. You're listening to Strictly Business on 105.3. We're going to take a break, and we'll be back right after this. You're listening to Strictly Business with Chase Channel. Thanks for listening to 105.3 The Talk of Jackson. Don't go anywhere. Chase will be back right after this. Dribble into deals this March at Victory Honda of Jackson. Hi, I'm Chase Channel, General Manager. And right now, during the Honda Dream Garage Spring event, make zero down payment, zero security deposit, and zero first month's payment on select brand new Hondas. Plus, you won't have to make a single payment until summer. That's right, no payments until summer. And when you upgrade your vehicle at Victory Honda, we'll give you 125% of the book value for your trade. For complete details, visit VictoryHondaJackson.com, then come into Victory Honda on Highway 45 Bypass and save big with no payments until summer. So come in today and score this three-point deal right here at Victory Honda. With approved credit through HFS, not all buyers or vehicles will qualify. Offers don't combine, plus tax, title, license, and $4.99 dealer fee. Payments deferred by lender. 125% of black with wholesale value minus restocking, reconditioning, and mileage fees. Subject to a clean Carfax report. See dealer for complete details. Offer expires 331.18. We're back on 105.3, the talk of Jackson, and you're listening to Strictly Business. I'm your host, Chase Channel. We've been talking about all things business, and as promised, I've got an interview coming up. We're going to talk business and hear some of the story, and I'm going to keep it a secret until we get them on the phone, but we're going to hear uh, some business background of a great local business person who actually has a radio background also. So we're going to get to hear his story a little bit about his business background, and then I'm going to drill him with some questions. But we've been getting in a lot of questions between our Facebook page and the text line. So we're going to leave off uh, where we left off. We were talking about um, one of the questions that came in on social media, how to respond to Facebook, which was a really good topic and one of my favorites. But we're going to go to this question, which says, how do you make time for vendors and decide who to use. Thanks, John. That's a great question, John. I imagine John will be trying to sell me something in the next week if I answer this, but I'll give you um, my rundown of how I decide. The first thing and the most important thing is, and you want to think of this from day one in business, is think like the customer. Now, what I mean by that is, is when you think about how your consumers are going to take in information, right? So let's say I'm a women's boutique store and in that store I sell high-end handbags and I sell maybe some jewelry and some makeup products or whatever the case may be. Now, I don't think that my target audience should be a, a morning sports show because the demographics that listen to that are not my audience. So the first thing is get information from your customers, right? When they come in, I always say, hey, how did you hear about us? And the customers will usually say, oh, well, we've just always been coming here. Now, most of us go, oh, okay, and they leave it at that. I dig a little bit deeper. I say, hey, listen, we spend a lot of dollars in our advertising, and i just like to know kind of where it comes from. Have you ever heard any of our ads anywhere? They might say no. They might say yes. But it's important to dig in and find out where the consumer hears information. Do they listen to radio? Do they listen to podcasts? Do they surf a lot online? Maybe they saw your ads online. Maybe they saw it on a television commercial. 
Maybe they heard it on their morning drive uh, in their car. But uh, whatever the case may be, you want to kind of keep records of that and say, where, where do they hear? And then find out what their hobbies are. So here's an example of what I would do and what I think would be positive if I had a boutique style business, right? Um, I think that if I did some digital geofencing marketing and targeted soccer fields, I would probably hit a lot more of my target audience because the mom who's taking their kids to soccer practice is going to be who I want to come buy from me. So in that case, I can put a geofence around every local school soccer fields. And for those of you who don't know what a geofence is, all that is is a digital fence that you can put anywhere. And it says, we're only going to market to this area. And every time someone's in that area, we're going to serve digital advertising to them on their mobile device. Because let's face it, if you're a mom and you've been to soccer, you might be watching little Timmy play for a while, but you're also on your phone, handling work, answering emails. Maybe you're browsing online, checking your Facebook, scrolling through Instagram. I know you're doing it. It's not all business and it's not all little Timmy. We all do it. So just remember that when they're looking at that, we can be serving them ads. Now, the next thing to think about is, is the ad relevant? Is it something that would make them say, I want to come do business with X? So maybe put in a, a tagline such as this. Are you, a, you ever see the ads that they say, these are kind of creepy. They'll say, are you a soccer mom between the ages of 30 and 35 and currently overweight, want to lose weight? Whatever the case may be, they can now target the age demographics, which is why your ad can say that. They can also target, maybe they've been searching for weight loss products. So all this information is out there. And some of you listening are probably like, wow, that's creepy. Some of you probably are already doing it. And some of you think, man, I'd like to hear more about this. So thinking about how we choose vendors, it starts with the customer, right? So let's say that we think, man, I really want to find out more about this digital thing. You can't think of vendors as they come in because they usually show up unannounced. They come in and the reason they come unannounced is because they try making appointments and we don't take their phone calls. So understand if you that they're going to get to you eventually whether they have to come by or not. So then they show up. How do we decide if this is a product that we want to use? Well, first thing is think of the vendor as a strategic partner. Not so much like they're just trying to sell you something. Let's try to get the most out of them. Let's get them on our team and say, hey, Listen, I'm fine with spending dollars, but we got to make sure that this makes sense. And challenge them. Don't just say, well, we trust that everyone reads your magazine, or we believe that everyone tunes into your station, or we believe whatever the case may be, we've got to think smart and say, okay, hey, how can, uh, how can I do this? Most of you uh, listening know that Tim November and I, Tim is part of uh, 105.3, the family, and he's uh, our manager, the producer. He helps uh, with the content, with me, gives me some coaching, and and Tim says, hey, Chase, he comes in and he's one of the first vendors I worked with. And so Tim comes to me and he comes in my office and we start talking. And Tim had done business with us before as a customer, but he'd also done a lot of business in the past with us. And he was able to bridge the gap between me and him. We developed a relationship and I always know that Tim has my best interest. So I trust him to help me make decisions to improve my business. That's what you want to get out of a vendor partner is develop a relationship with them where you can say, hey, they have my best interest and I don't have to worry about it. Not, hey, they're taking advantage of me and seeing how much they can get from me. And you'll find when, when people call you, 
and they try nickel and diamond you with add-ons and, hey, well, if you spend an extra $200, we will do this. Someone who really has your back, they'll say, hey, listen, your original plan was X. We're going to throw in Y for you. So we think it will really help your business this weekend. Or we're going to be doing part of this and we wanted you to be there too. So they'll kind of go the extra mile for you and say, hey, how can we help? So the next thing is, like I said, when these vendors come in, it's just like anything. Some of them you're going to like and some of them you're not, but it's important that we vet out, A, let's get what we call an approved vendors list, okay? Approved vendors list means that these are people who we believe we've checked their references. We believe that their company's reputable. They do business the same way we would like to do business, and we want to move forward, and we can use them. Now, in your business, you should have an approved vendors list for everyone from your business card printer to a painting contractor, because when your store needs paint, who do we call? We don't just want to always call, pick up the phone book or go online and we say, well, okay, we'll try these people. You want to have an approved vendors list where you can say, hey, we need paint, call John. John, we know John does great service. We know he'll be here quick. We know the price is fair because when we're in business to sell clothing or to sell cars or to sell whatever we're selling, we don't have time to be in the business of being a, a general subcontractor supervisor, seeing if they're going to do a good job or not. So we want to build those trusted partners on those trusted list lists. Now, one thing that you want to do, and we talked about this earlier in vetting, is make sure we check references. I can tell you this, if I called 100 references on Tim, all of them would be positive. And I know that because I've checked a lot of them. But remembering that those references are important and say, I usually say this, instead of saying, hey, can I get some references from you? I ask a question like this, hey, who else do you guys do business with around here? They say, well, we do business with, uh, you know, Joe's up the street. We do it with this business. We do it with that business. Now, odds are I'm going to have been to one of them to where when I walk in, I can say, hey, you guys work with, with uh, you know, with such and such? Yeah, we do. And I can say, well, what do you think of me? Are you getting good results? So remember, the results matter. The spend matters, and we're going to digest more of the return on investment and how making sure the dollars make sense. And we'll go through more of those metrics. But in the in the question asked about how do we decide the vendors, remember, vet them up front, spend more time on them, because we want to make sure once they're on that approved vendors list, we don't want to have to worry about it. They understand to bill us. They understand we'll pay them. Uh, and everything works seamlessly. So if I need the lawn cut, I already have an approved vendor. So remember, and some of you listening are probably going, man, we don't have any approved vendors. So you're going to want to make yourself an approved vendor list, put their contact information on there where anyone can get a hold of them because you don't want, uh, maybe you have uh, layers of management like we do in our business. If my service manager says, well, gee whiz, they just put a hole in the drywall. I need to get it fixed. He might call some vendor that's not on this list and the way you enforce the list is you let all of your people and management know we're not going to pay for any repairs or anything that's done by someone not on the list. If you have someone you'd like for us to add to the list, bring me their information, what they do. I'd like to make an appointment with them to talk to them, and we'll see about getting them added to the list. Here's the best part about an approved vendors list is half of the businesses will vet themselves out because they won't go through the trouble because they're fly-by-nights. What I mean by that is they'll call and say, hey, who do you use for painting? And you'll say, well, we have an approved vendors list. So we have a company that we already use, uh, you know, that's licensed and insured and bonded. 
and they do a great job for us. Now, if that person's a good salesman, they're going to say, well, uh, you know, do you, would you consider using us? And you'd say, yeah, absolutely. We'd be happy to, to consider that. All you have to do is go through our approved vendors list process. So let's make an appointment. You'll have to meet with me. We'll need to see all of your credentials. We'll need to see some references. Well, in any information that you want, and guess what? Oftentimes they go, well, it's not worth the hassle. We're not going to go through that. So they automatically kind of vet themselves off the list. So selecting the right vendor, just remember, think like the consumer. We want to make sure we're working with people who, A, understand how to target our audience. B, it's the medium by which our consumers are listening. And C, we want to make sure that they're highly vetted so that we're getting the most bang for our buck. So that's my advice on how we take time to decide for vendors. Now, here's the only last thing I'm going to say to all the vendors out there listening is I don't mind if you come by and you drop in and you just want to say, hey, but if I'm busy, I'm busy. And you have to understand that in our line of work, in the dealership world or any small business owner, when we have an opportunity to make a sale or to help a customer that's going to come before our meeting with the newspaper or our meeting with some digital company that wants us to do reputation management. So understanding that and the best reps out there, they get it. They'll stop by. They see you're busy. They don't even slow down. They just go out and they say, I'm going to drop back by later on. Here's the cool part. When that happens and I see that happen, when they come back in the next time, I make extra time for them because I say, hey, they respected my time when I was busy. So let me just give it back a little bit and show them that I appreciate that and I'm going to sit down and spend some extra time with them. That's a great question. There's more questions to come. And as promised, we're going to have a special guest caller. You're listening to Strictly Business on 105.3 The Talk of Jackson. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to Strictly Business with Chase Channel. Thanks for listening to 105.3 The Talk of Jackson. Don't go anywhere. Chase will be back right after this. Dribble into deals this March at Victory Honda of Jackson. Hi, I'm Chase Channel, General Manager. And right now, during the Honda Dream Garage Spring event, make zero down payment, zero security deposit, and zero first month's payment on select brand new Hondas. Plus, you won't have to make a single payment until summer. That's right, no payments until summer. And when you upgrade your vehicle at Victory Honda, we'll give you 125% of the book value for your trade. For complete details, visit VictoryHondaJackson.com, then come into Victory Honda on Highway 45 Bypass and save big with no payments until summer. So come in today and score this three-point deal right here at Victory Honda. With approved credit through HFS, not all buyers or vehicles will qualify. Offers don't combine, plus tax, title, license, and $4.99 dealer fee. Payments deferred by lender. 125% of black with wholesale value minus restocking, reconditioning, and mileage fees. Subject to a clean Carfax report. See dealer for complete details. Offer expires 331.18. We're back on 105.3, the talk of Jackson. You're listening to Strictly Business. I'm your host, Chase Channel, and we've been covering a lot of topics, which we're going to do every week. So don't be afraid to send in those questions. You can go to our Facebook page at facebook.com backslash the Chase Channel Show. Post up your comments, your questions, anything that you want to know. I'll fully interact with everyone on there. You can also shoot me on Messenger if you don't feel comfortable posting it. And uh, also, you can make sure that you text us if you have a question. The number to text 
Let me find it. Okay, I got it right here. 731-215-0158. Or if you want to give us a buzz and talk about it, you can call me at 731-499-3865. So right to the text line we go. We have Tom wants to know, Chase, what is the key to closing the deal? Well, I wish that was a simple topic, but uh, that's a great question, Tom. And closing is a part of all businesses. But um, I'll give you a condensed version, and I'm sure we'll talk about closing the deal a lot. But in all businesses, there comes a time in the sales process where it's time to ask for the business. And um, it's important to remember because a lot of, uh, a lot of us as salespeople, we go through the whole process and we never ask them to buy. So step one of closing the deal is ask them, ask for the business. And don't be afraid to ask for the business. I always say in sales that you have to earn the right to ask for the business. So make sure that you've done that. But once you've earned that right, it's okay to say, hey, listen, are you ready to buy? I want you to buy from me. So it doesn't come off as desperate or anything else. And I always say that sometimes we overanalyze that. We say, well, I don't know how that'll sound or whatever the case may be. But remember that when you've earned the right, it's okay to say, hey, I'm ready for you to do business now. So closing the deal is real simple. A, make sure that they're they're on the product that they want and they're purchasing something that they love. It doesn't matter if you're selling security systems, cars, boats, RVs, trinkets, flea market produce. Our products are what we have to get them sold on. If somebody pulls off the side of the road to a little farmer's stand and they want to buy produce, what do you think the reason that they're there is? So my, I would think that they're there because they think that this produce is fresh. They're, it's better than a, what you can get in a market. And maybe they think, hey, I'm going to get a good deal on top of that, plus support a local farmer. So I would imagine that those are what we call motivating factors. So if I'm the person who's selling the produce, I'm going to talk about those key items. As soon as they get out, I'm going to say, hey, welcome. We're glad you're here. Was there any special thing that you're looking for? Yeah, we were interested in uh, getting some, you know, vine-ripe tomatoes. you have anything? And I would say, absolutely. We grow these fresh local right here. Uh, our farm is right around the corner. And this is where we sell them because we can save our clients the most money with uh, cutting out the, the department store. Now, all those things should appeal to the person who pulled off there. So at that point, I think that we'll probably make a sale. Now, it's important that once we give those benefits, it's what you call in sales, a feature, a benefit, and a tie-down. So the feature would be whatever. Like on a car, we'll say the feature is it's got a, um, let's just say, stainless steel exhaust. Now, we have to give them the benefit of stainless steel exhaust because if we just say, hey, that has stainless steel exhaust, well, they might not know what the benefit of that is. So we would say something like this. Uh, Mr. Customer, this vehicle has stainless steel exhaust. Uh, the benefit of stainless steel exhaust is in the event in the winter, the ice, the snow, uh, those things get on it. You don't have to worry about your exhaust rusting. So now we gave a feature, we gave a benefit. Now the third part and the, the key to closing the deal is the tie down. We want to make sure that they understand how that will work for them. So we'll say, you know, Mr. Customer, this vehicle has stainless steel exhaust. Stainless steel exhaust makes sure in the winter that in the ice and the over time that your exhaust won't rust. 
so that 10 years down the road, you won't have your, your exhaust making a really loud noise where you'll have to take time to go get it replaced. So the feature was the stainless steel. The benefit was that it won't rust. And the tie down is, is we want them visualizing 10 years from now, them having a loud rusted pipe that they have to go get it fixed. So the feature, the benefit, and the tie down for the product. Uh, and those happen in all things. In produce, it's, it's there. You know, the feature is that, hey, this is a tomato and it's, it's, we grow it right here and it tastes fantastic. So, you know, that's the feature. Uh, what's our benefit to being locally grown is the taste and that, hey, this is, we don't use maybe some certain pesticides and it's organic. And so, and then the tie down would be, uh, we would find out and say, so it's healthy for you and you and your family aren't taking in all those toxins, which will help you live longer. Your food will taste better. So, and, and then, so those are the tie downs. So feature benefit and tie down is the key to closing the deal. Then make sure we ask for the business. Now in all businesses, you want to make sure that you're helping the customer and you're keeping their needs in mind. So let's say they pick out those tomatoes and they say, boy, uh, I'm glad we got those tomatoes. Now they're here at my stand. I know that they already uh, agree with my core principles or my core philosophy. That's why they're here. So I might say, hey, while you all are here, you should really try out our, our fresh squash. We've heard raving reviews from it. It's some of the best tasting squash we've had all year. And uh, we really think that you all might enjoy it. So remember that in, in like in the food business, in this example, obviously just taste and that it's popular is going to go a long way. Plus, they already like the other things. And you could see so you could throw in a little and just like our tomatoes, they're, they're grown right here and we don't use X. So you're real. I think you'd really enjoy them. So at that point, you're going to get some up sales, right? They're going to purchase more from you. And some people say, well, I don't want to be salesy. I don't want this. If it comes off salesy, you're not doing it right. If you ask these things in real life circumstances, the way that I'm, I'm just how you hear me saying it, then all of a sudden it becomes you're, you're serving them. You're trying to help the customer. If I don't offer them, that could be the best squash with east of the Mississippi and the best we've had in 10 years. And if I think, well, I don't want to be salesy, I just won't tell them. They'll miss out on it. So now here's how we know it's not bad to ask for it. Let's say we recommended that squash and they bought it. They went home and they made their favorite squash recipe. They had all their friends, family, and colleagues over, and everybody, including their boss. Their boss was even there. And they cook up this fantastic dinner with their world-famous squash recipe and as everyone bites in, they say, this is the best squash we've ever tasted. Now, do you think they're going to let them in on the secret that we, they got it from a special place? Probably. Or they might want to keep it for themselves and keep wowing them week in and week out. But that person is going to come back to you and they're going to say, hey, remember that squash you recommended? You were right. It was fantastic. Everyone loved it. It was the best squash, and I, my boss was there. He even loved it. Now I'm invited to the company party. He wants me to cook some of my famous squash for everybody. So that's how simple, and, and believe me, they'll be thanking you then because they'll say, man, we, we're glad we bought that. So remember, it's not always just, well, I don't want to push it on to them. you got to believe in what you sell, and the beliefs come across. Some of you are probably thinking, man, I'd like to buy some squash right now. It's because when I'm selling it, I'm really believing in it. I believe that this squash is great. I believe it tastes fantastic. And whatever product you're selling, because some of them, let's face it, they're not as, uh, it's tough to, to get that, the mental juices flowing 
And uh, they always say in sales, you sell the sizzle, not the steak. And that's really, really important. Uh, we were selling the sizzle when we're talking about how fantastic it's going to taste. And because all those things paint these mental images, they get our brain receptors going, they get our mouths watering, and all the person wants is a piece of, they just want to taste that squash. So just remember when you're selling, you're going to walk through the feature, you're going to go through those benefits, then we're going to do the tie downs. And through those stages, that's when we're going to say, hey, let's make sure we've asked for, for the business and we ask for that sale. So it's important to remember that asking for the sale is not a bad thing. It's one of those things that, like I said, we earn the right to do. And the way I see it is if I took the time to set up a stand on the side of the road and I sat there all day long in hopes that somebody's going to come buy my squash, I farmed it, I picked it, I cleaned it, I put it up there and I displayed it. They pull up and I help them. I give them great service and great recommendations. Well, yeah, I deserve the right to ask them to buy. And I don't think there's a thing wrong with that. And uh, most of you won't either. But just remember, you have to believe in what you're selling. And the consumer knows if you're passionate about it. I'll give you an example of this. I've never worked at a Ford dealership. Now, I've sold a few used Fords in my life, but I've never worked at a Ford store. And I've had a lot of opportunities. But I grew up where my family was a pro GM family, not a pro Ford family. And, and growing up with that, I always would say, when these opportunities would come, I'd say, man, I just really don't feel like, I would feel like I'm lying to myself to have to get out there and tell a customer how much, how great this Ford is when I don't like it. So at Honda, where I work, a lot of my guys drive, uh, most of them drive Honda and all of them believe in the product. And I even have one salesperson who recently joined our team and he said, Hey, listen, I was working at Ford. I don't drive Ford. I didn't believe in the product. And I just felt like I wasn't really, I didn't believe in what I was selling. So step one is make sure you really believe in what you're selling. You believe in your company, you believe in the product, the people, and you're willing to stand behind it. And believe me when I tell you, they'll know, they'll recognize it and they'll buy more from you for it. So those are some tips to closing the deal. We'll talk a lot more about that. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, like I said, as promised, we have a special guest. That's, we're going to do a quick interview, ask some questions, and learn about uh, his business background in life and his life in radio. And I'm sure we're going to get some good uh, insight and feedback. So if you have any certain questions that uh, you want to know, you can post them up on facebook.com backslash the Chase Channel Show, or you can shoot me a text. The number to text is... 731-215-0158. Or if you want to just give me a call, we can talk about it. The number to call is 731-499-3865. You're listening to Strictly Business on 105.3 The Talk of Jackson. You're listening to Strictly Business with Chase Channel. Thanks for listening to 105.3 The Talk of Jackson. Don't go anywhere. Chase will be back right after this. Dribble into deals this March at Victory Honda of Jackson. Hi, I'm Chase Channel, General Manager. And right now, during the Honda Dream Garage Spring event, make zero down payment, zero security deposit, and zero first month's payment on select brand new Hondas. Plus, you won't have to make a single payment until summer. That's right, no payments until summer. And when you upgrade your vehicle at Victory Honda, we'll give you 125% of the book value for your trade. For complete details, visit VictoryHondaJackson.com then come into Victory Honda on Highway 45 Bypass and save big with no payments until summer. 
So come in today and score this three-point deal right here at Victory Honda. With approved credit through HFS, not all buyers or vehicles will qualify. Offers don't combine, plus tax, title, license, and $4.99 dealer fee. Payments deferred by lender. 125% of black with wholesale value minus restocking, reconditioning, and mileage fees. Subject to a clean Carfax report. See dealer for complete details. Offer expires 331.18. We're back. You're listening to 105.3, The Talk of Jackson. This is Strictly Business. We've covered a lot of questions today from the Facebook page. We've taken, uh, taken a lot of questions from the text line. We've worked our way through some basic business problems. We've talked everything from sales to reputation management. Now, I promised a guest before the show's out, and the guest that I had lined up had something pop up, so we're going to get him on at a later time. So I reached out to one of my longtime friends and mentors who I know adds a lot of value. He's got over two decades in the automotive industry from sales rep to general manager. He knows sales. He's an automotive sales leader and has worked in over 35 markets across the U.S. and trained hundreds of sales reps. He's a former publisher of Atlanta Cars Magazine. He moved on to found a successful marketing company, Spike Promotions, that serves the automotive industry and helps move thousands of cars using strategic, innovative online solutions. Since 2011, he shook up the internet marketing space with his down-to-earth, down hardcore sales methods focused on the automotive industry, but applicable in all niches. If you have no sales, you have no business. That's all there is to it. He trains his students to be wolves in a sheep-filled world, giving them sales training that gets results. With me on the phone, I've got my friend, Sid Michael. Sid, how you doing? Rock and rolling, buddy. How are you? I'm doing good. Thanks for uh, jumping on here with me. I appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Anytime we get to talk business, I enjoy it, man. So we've we've chatted up uh, the last hour or so, and we've talked all all sorts of different subjects. But I know that um, you're always into different things. So what's the latest uh, in in your world? Well, um, I've got a couple things uh, uh, going on. I've got a um, you know, I'm doing, I'm doing some, uh, some marketing online that, uh, I'm teaching a lot of, uh, entrepreneurs and, and smaller businesses ways to, 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 to make revenue. Um, you know, I don't know if you noticed or if you heard on the news, you know, Toys R Us is closing down. They're, they're, I did see that down 700, 31,000 jobs, 31,000 jobs just got taken out of, uh, the United States. And if, if you're not, if, if that is not, uh, if that's not the uh, red flag that you better start learning how to be found online or, you know, if, if that's not the, the, the go to action serious call, uh, you need to think about it. <laughs> or, I mean, if, well, if, one if of the, one of the things, uh, one of the things I've always admired about you is, I mean, you, you had a background in print and kind of brick and mortar business and you've transitioned. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did transition. Not, not, not by choice, just by, by kind of opportunity and, and, uh, it was um, it was different, you know. I had a friend who uh, who was a fairly large local marketer, and, and he asked me to get on a call and wanted to talk reputation, right? Like uh, he said, you've been talking about reputation management. Yeah. We call it reputation marketing. But um, and uh, I got on, and, and and you know they got a car guy's you know experience or a car guy's opinion on it, and man, I saw you know I saw a huge opportunity. I'm thinking, man fixing reputation of car guys. I mean, it's going to be, you know, 80% of them are going to have bad reputations, you know, or somebody mad at them, you know, right. it's, it's hard to get good reviews as a car dealership. Right. I sure. mean, let's face it. 
you, you probably intend on saying something nice if they if you have a good experience. But when you get home, you get busy, you get caught up with life, and 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 really, the only people that really remember to send in a review are the ones that want to scald you. You know. Sure. So I saw he value in it, and uh, he put me. You know, I did a couple webinars with him, and uh, he said, "Sid, can you can you create a course?" that teaches these marketers and these agencies how to sell digital to a dealership because we're having such hard time, you know, when they go, they're, they're terrified of some of these car dealers. And the reason why Chase is, and you know, this, like they would go in and talk to the service manager. That was probably their cousin. Right. right. And tell them, Hey man, we can sell you more cars. <laughs> and the service manager's like, I don't care. I do all changes, man. I do transmission repair, you know? And, uh, so they just were talking to the wrong people about the wrong thing. So I did, I created the course and, uh, and taught a, a lot of people. I mean, I went to some of the biggest car events when there wasn't a digital, uh, booth in the whole place, you know, at NADA, I mean, nobody was doing it. And so I taught the agencies and, and kind of broke it down. And man, I tell you, there's a, there's some million dollar companies that came out of buying that course all the way back in 2012. You know, it's funny is they probably didn't realize how much they hit the jackpot with the knowledge you have of the car business. And I know one of the things that I, I've heard you teach in conferences before is how to get past the gatekeeper. And that one always kind of stuck with me. So what, I mean, do you have some tips I'm sure that we can get from you on how to get past the gatekeeper to see someone, maybe not just a gatekeeper in a dealership, but in any business? Well, I mean, I, I, I always say that sales is important, Chase, and you know this as well as I do, man. Like, you know, people can people can try and avoid the 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 the, the sales part. You know what I mean? But that's something that you always are, are going to have to learn. If you even if you listen to Arnold Schwarzenegger, he was doing an interview and they asked him what's the most important thing he learned. I mean, this guy's been governor of California and and, and really you know had a successful career. And he said, "Man, I should have learned sales sooner." It's something you got to do now, you know, ultimately in an authority way, you want to position yourself as something more than a salesperson eventually, right? Sure. Where, you know, you have the authority. However, you got to learn how to make friends and, and become people. And, and, uh, you know, that's what, that's one thing I've always admired and loved about you yourself, Chase, is you're a very likable, charismatic guy that, that people just can't help but to, to be attracted to, or just, you know, like for some reason, yeah. you know what I mean? But, but you know, not everybody has those talents. So it is something that you do have to invest in yourself. You do have to do a little bit of effort and you got to create, you know, some sales abilities. So you want to know about getting past the gatekeeper. Like, uh, you got a lot of listeners here that are calling in and, and trying to get around, uh, you know, getting caught from the front where they, uh, they never even get a chance to pitch their product or even, you know, maybe set an appointment because they're getting, they're getting blocked by right. the, uh, by the receptionist. Is that, is that the case? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, it, I'm going to give you one of the most simple solutions and, and I'm telling you, when I tell you this, you're going to laugh and you're going to try it and you're going to go, man, that's powerful because it does work. It, you know, uh, it'd be kind of cool if we did it live with somebody right now, but I guess, uh, we won't. But, um, it, when, when you call into a gatekeeper, right? Their job, right? Like who's your gatekeeper? Who, who's your receptionist or who answers the phone if, if they're trying to get to you? We have a couple different, you know, receptionists that work just to make sure that the phones are covered at all times. But, um, you know, we, and, and if they're, and if they're letting somebody through, like, you know, some direct mail salesman that's just wearing you out 25 times a day, 
I mean, you, you know, do you go up there and tell them, hey, do me a favor, <laughs> keep those people off of me? Of course. Okay. So you give her instructions, for instance. You give them instructions, and they're used to taking instructions, right? They're, they're, it's, it's not saying that they're, you know, any different, but they're used to taking instructions. So when you call into a dealership such as that, I would I would change I would change two words into one word. I would say one word less actually. And what happens is is a lot of people will call in and they'll say, "Can I please talk to Chase Channel?" And when you do that, you put yourself at a lower authority. And when you put yourself at a lower authority, immediately her flag is to go up. Why is this person trying to be sweet to me, right? Right. And why are they trying to, to get past? You know, what are they trying to do? Well, can I get your name and number and ask who's calling? Right. Yeah. Because that's what they're instructed to do. Because you just lit them up for letting them get through. Exactly. So, but you know, we we both were raised by good Southern moms that teach us to say please, right? So you don't want to yeah. be a rude person. You want to be able to say something that's effective. So you change, take please away, and you and you add one word to it. And, and instead of saying, can I please speak to Chase Channel, you call up and you say, Chase Channel, thank you. And you watch. Not a one of them will stop because they're used to being told what to do. They're, they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna see the authority of, of you, uh, of saying thank you, right? You're being polite, and you're going to go right past them. I, I've never get stopped by a gatekeeper. So something I something I got to know from you, Sid, because I know that you've made a bazillion cold calls in your life. When you get the the decision maker on the phone, how much time do you have for them to nine make seconds. it? Nine seconds. Okay, yeah, I knew it was short. You got nine seconds. Yeah, and actually, actually, uh, they they figured out that people's attention spans eight seconds. A goldfish is nine seconds. Wow. I mean, think about that. So, so people. People's attention spans less than a goldfish right now, but you, you know what your eight seconds is for. You, you know what you got to do in eight seconds. Just I assume create more time. <laughs> That's right. You got to earn another eight seconds. Yeah. <laughs> right. So you got to blow them. You got to blow them on the back of their heels, man. You know. You got to get them. You got to get them charged. Um. One thing that you know, one that I like to use when you, when you got eight seconds, you know, I know I'm pretty sure you've probably uh, been through or, or seen or even heard or even maybe even taught some feature and benefit training. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, yeah we sense. talked That's a little bit about that. We talked a little bit about that earlier in the show. Okay. Well, I'm going to give you something a little bit disruptive to that. Okay. You need to when when you're trying to earn eight more seconds, you need to get rid of the feature and only give the benefit. So when when you're calling in, right? So you want to give somebody a benefit. If somebody if if somebody's like, well, what are you what are you trying to do? You want to give them a benefit, and you want to make sure there's something that's going to interest them, and they're going to go, well, well, that would be nice. And and, and tell me more because you want to buy your extra eight seconds, right? Yeah. I'm going to give you a secret one right here. You want me to give you a secret one? Yeah. Okay. Well, so it's, it's role play with me for a second. Okay. Say, Sid, what are you here to do? Sid, what are you here to do? Chase, I'm here to give everybody in this building a raise. Do you want to hear how? Yes. Okay, because that's a benefit. That benefited you. Well, <laughs> it's tough to say no to that, too. That's right. That's right. One of the things and, I and, do – uh, go ahead. Go ahead, yep. Well, one of the things I always do, and uh, I've kind of patented this over time, is when I answer the phone, I always say, you know, Victory Honda, this is Chase. How can I help? 
and you know, a lot of times I, my caller ID, I see that it's a vendor, you know, but I still say, how can I help <laughs> me? They go, Hey, you know, this, this is Tim with such and such. I go, okay, great. How can I help? You know? And a lot of times for vendors, they're not, I'm like, listen, do you want to buy a car? You know? No. Okay. You don't, you want to sell me something. Great. Okay. Now we've established that. I don't want to buy it. See you later. But it was always yeah. my thing. And I would just reiterate, they, they'd give you this spiel and I'd say, okay, so how can I help? And they're not prepared to say how I can help. It's kind of funny. Right. Like, how you can help. <laughs> right. Instead well, of saying, well, you know, you could give me an extra 30 seconds of your time. I know you're busy or whatever. They're never prepared for that. Yeah. Right. I, 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 I think you give them real, like I, one thing, like one thing I've noticed is if you say 30 seconds and you take eight minutes, you kind of, you just let them a little bit. Like, you never say, "Hey, I will, I'll be back in uh, just a second. Because you're not going to be back in a just a second. You're, you got to take the car down and get it cleaned. You're going to be back in ten minutes. You know what I mean? And and little misses like that. Uh, some some people, I, I keep up with those, and those are little marks against you. You know what I mean? It makes me not want to trust you as much if you don't tell the truth. But what I like to say is, I've got something that. I don't think you've heard before, and I know you hear a lot of things over and over and over, so I don't want to waste your time. But after three minutes of explaining what I've got, I guarantee you can make a fully educated decision on whether or not it's a fit for you. Can I have that, the three minutes to do that? Yeah, that's good. Yeah, the setup's really yeah. important because it segues, like you said, the time frame that you need to then present the product and go for the close. Hey. It, and, and if you know, if if we want to talk really like true sales games and sales numbers, Chase, you know, there's days I would call you. It didn't matter what I said. You're just not the guy. And, right. and what you got to do is say next. <laughs> you know what I mean? Don't get don't get all you know butt hurt and upset that that the guy just ain't the right guy. You don't listen. If you're not giving them, if you're not, you know, if you're not making the the clearing the path where the decision is easy. If you're not truly giving them something that you truly wholeheartedly believe in and, and, and were ready to jump in front of a Mack truck that you're going to help them, you don't need to be selling it anyway, yeah. right? And if it's something that's not going to benefit that person, why do you want to make that friend anyway? You know what I mean? So, like, you know, there's days that you can't get to the to the bear's heart, right? Sure. And And that's okay. So, you know, if you're like, hey, man, I'm busy. I've got a car deal. Hey, listen, car deals always take, you know, take a – presence over every anything I, i'll touch base with you when i got something good but hey it's good to hit, put a voice with a name and, and you'll know that, that this is sid whenever i call you i'm sid michael man with two first names big enough to be two but i'm only one that's good yeah I'll, this is kind of a funny story but i remember a guy would always call and he had like this stutter when he would call and it would like drive yeah. you crazy because you have to let him get through the stutter you know of his sales <laughs> pitch and, and i almost thought he did it on purpose maybe he did but he would always say, you know, hey, hey, this is, and he would have this like stutter leading into his name. And so I'd always say, you know, no, man, not interested. Thanks. And he'd always say, okay, I'll, I'll check back with you, you know, at the end of the month or whatever. This guy called right. like clockwork. I'm talking for three years, right? Never missed oh. a beat. So one day I've just had one of those days where the, every customer that could be mad at me was mad at me. Every heat case came in and I'm just like so mentally and just everything about me is drained, and I'm sitting there slumped over in my chair at the sales tower. The phone rings. I don't even you, look at it. You took I, it out on the poor little stuttering boy? No, I, I, I literally answer the phone, and here he is. Uh, st st this is Chase. This is st 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 And I literally just was so exhausted 
I said, what do you have I can buy? Like, what do you want? I'm buying it. I'm like, and it just, he made my day. You know, it was like the only, and it was like, I was just finally like laughing. Like, I can't believe this, this to cap off my day. The guy that's called me month in, month out for three years. Here he is. I'm like, what, what are you selling? Let's just talk about it. I talked to him for 40, 40 minutes on the phone. He's probably like, what the heck? This guy shut me down for years, but it's just funny how persistence, you know, does pay in the long run. So I want to ask you a question that I know because I know the answer to it. Um, right. And I think a lot of the listeners probably don't understand this, but how many times would you say you've been told no in your life? Thousands, hundreds of thousands. It's hundreds, right? And so I, and the reason I bring that up is, is a lot of people get their feelings hurt, like you mentioned. And I remember yeah. when I first started in sales, I actually worked for Sid. And uh, he would tell me, hey, go say this to the customer. And I said, I can't say that. And I was so nervous and so scared. And literally, I would walk out and I couldn't do it. I'd make up something else, say it to the customer, and then I'd go back and tell him, hey, yeah, I, I said that to him. They said no or whatever, just because I couldn't get the courage to say it. You know, now in today's world, I use those things time and time again, and it's just second nature. But at that stage in my life, I hadn't heard no enough. Well, you know, it's funny you say that. My, my, my mentor, John Reinhardt, who taught me the business, I was so amazed how he would turn around because I, I was convinced they weren't going to buy a car. You know, they had to wait and go talk to mom and all that stuff or whatever <laughs> they were going to do. They had to wait. And, and, and dude, I, I, I literally would go in there and go, Mr. Reinhardt. And he'd go, yes. And I go, man, I need you to do your magic. I, th- I saw it as magic, man. I didn't even think it was like conversation. I thought this dude was like pull out the bunny out of the hat. All of a sudden these people are like smiling and buying a car. You know, they had no money down. They're sitting there signing a check. You know what I mean? Like I didn't, I did it. I just thought it was magic, man. Like it was crazy, but yeah, it's experience and it's being, it's being told, you know, being told no. And, 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 and let's, let's face it, man. When you go through something like a, a, a car sale, for instance, it's so repetitive. Like there's only like eight, eight objections that you're going to hear over and over and over. And it's, it gets to the point when you're selling a car, at least it did for me. And I'm sure it probably, you know, does for you a little bit. And I don't, you know, I don't want to make you sound like a big bag of wolf, but it does get to the point where you're like, okay, all right, this guy came up with that one. All right. And you know what to say, cause you've, you've rebuttaled every one of these possible rebuttals they've ever had. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. I can even, so. I can even almost tell you when they tell me the objection, I can tell you where they work usually what they do for a living. I know probably right. what they're already driving. It's amazing how much you can learn from just repetition right. and hearing uh, these objections. Uh, while I got That's you, right. Sid, there's a couple questions. Most of our listeners are in West Tennessee. Uh, you know, a lot of small business owners, a lot of people who aren't even in business, who maybe you're thinking about being in business and have decided to check out the show. But I know you do a lot of coaching for businesses. So a question that I have is, is that, if you see a business and maybe they've been in business for a year or so and they're just not getting the lift off that they need, what's your biggest piece of advice for them to kind of get the ball rolling? Because you know it's tough early on in business. I know you've been almost a serial entrepreneur in your life and owned a lot of businesses. So what what advice do you give to the people you coach? Well, I mean, first off, you gotta you got to create certainty. You know, like when somebody has uncertainty, they tend to, to flounder a little bit. You know what I mean? So I, I, you know, I'll take them completely off of what they're really doing in their business to give them 
a little bit of confidence and certainty uh, to, to help them build kind of that hustle. You know, I always call it a hustle muscle. You know what I mean? You got to get, get that that work ethic behind you. But 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 secondly, you know, a lot of people start spinning out on go. And the reason why they start spinning out on go is because they start, you know, trying to over prepare, you know, because they, they want to make sure they do it right and, you know, and, and, and do do everything where you get stuck in almost like the, the paralysis uh, state where you're not really getting anything effective. You know, having the idea and having the moving parts and and you know creating the the, the the perfect utopia world in your head is is nothing until you start taking action. And imperfect action is better than no action. I mean, really, you just got to get off your you're, you got to get off your butt and do it. You know, some people freak out because they're like, I don't know how to do that, man. Chase, you 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 tell me this: how many things have you taught yourself that you became so much better than the average Joe? that would have taught you in the beginning. Oh, countless. Because you figured out yourself. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know why? Because the average Joe is telling you his bad habits. Us naturally as humans are, are going to, you know, seek the, the, the fastest, slickest, least path of resistance, easiest. Okay, I won't do that again. You know, after you get hit yeah. in old hit National Bank or, or make a mistake. So, you know... That you're better off to learn it yourself half the time, anyways. And and what's funny is how many times you looked at that big old mountain above in front of you and thought, man, this is the worst problem in the world. I don't know how I'm going to deal with this. But once you do it, it was like a little, like a little blip. It was a little molehill. You know what I mean? It, it's really nothing. I can't believe I was even freaking out over that. So just take action, man. You know, at the end of the day, if you don't love what you do, you're going to be a miserable person anyway. So like, like. People are like, man, you know, you're the greatest salesman in the world, blah, blah. You know, you know how to do it. You're slick. You're fast. You're wise. You're witty. First off, a closer or a salesman is not a talker. We're listeners. Right. You've got to learn how to effectively listen better. And and secondly, I'm not a fast, witty talker, man. All I do is make the path clear so the decision for the person is easy. I want them to make – They're not. you're not going to force somebody into making a bad decision. But you can open up and let them come to the conclusion, you know what, this is the smart thing to do. This is the way I want to you know, handle this. And when it's their idea, they're going to come in wholeheartedly, and you're not going to talk them out of it. That's, so that's one of the things I, I, I teach my guys is I say we're, we're just problem solvers. They're going to give you a problem. Right. You provide the solution, and then they're the ones that once the solution's there – they're making that decision. We're not making it for them. That's right. Yeah, that's man, that's a great man, point. So many people think that 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 people don't, you know, like you think that person came into your store or called you, and they really just don't want what you got. No, man, they're already showing interest. They're already saying, make my experience like decent and don't insult me and don't talk me out of doing business. And you've, I'm already done. Think about it. When you go to Wilson's Leather or some, you know, some jacket shop, or if you go to the Gap or any of these little, you know, clothing stores, right? And you walk in, and somebody goes, "Hey, can I help you?" What do you say? No, I'm just looking. Of course, we all say we're just looking because we don't even mess with. It. We don't want to be forced to buy something that we don't want. We don't want the pink boots, dude. All right, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we want something legit. So you say you're just looking, but you go over there and you pick up this jacket, right? And you're going to try on this jacket. When you pick it up, you're thinking, "Man, this thing's got to be five hundred dollars because, dude, it's suede. It's got the Corinthian leather. It's like really smooth. It's made out of lamb or something, man. And it looks like it's got like like some elephant insert on it or something, dude. It is." bad man it's a nice jacket 
and you're thinking, man, I wanted to spend like 300, maybe 400. And this thing's got to be a $500 jacket. I'll come off of it. Cause I like it, but this thing's a $500 jacket all day. And when you look up at the, the rack, it says everything on this rack's 250 bucks. You're sold. You're taking that baby that home. You said you're just, dude, and the person that you said you're just looking to goes, Oh, by the way, we got a sale. They're all 99 on that rack this week. You like, like them all of a sudden a little more. Yeah. That's right. What you wanted to hear when you're trying it on, Chase, I'm going to, I know, I know you, bro. What you wanted to hear when you tried it on was, man, that jacket looks good on That's right. Like, that's, that's the one that you should buy. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, like I've been to the, uh, uh, the boot barn or whatever there in Jackson. It didn't take with the girl to say, man, get the, get the, get the gray, uh, Brad Paisley boots. <laughs> and you saw, I came home with two pair of boots. Right. You know what I'm saying? That's all it takes. He, man, did, he didn't even need foot. boots. Never has worn a pair of boots. Came home with two pairs yeah, of boots. I, they don't even fit me, Chase. I can't even wear them, dude. I had my little, little toes in there like crinkle fries, man. But she, she told me how good looking they were. And I was like, heck yeah, they are. These are hot. <laughs> you know what I mean? So don't always think that somebody doesn't want to buy. They're there for a reason. Make a friend. Make a friend, find out what their problem is, and and give them a solution to their problem. Dude, you you can make a friend for life. You know what I mean? And 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 make a little money in commission and, and help your business and and get it fired off. Man, it's a it's a win win for everybody. So yeah, most businesses. That's uh, a lot of people don't realize that, but I'm still friends with countless clients over the years, and a lot of people. And, and you'll remember this: who call you anytime they're thinking about a car. And they're like, where are you at? What are you selling? They don't care what the product is. They want to buy from and you. Man, I, have, I haven't retailed a car since, you know, for years. I haven't personally, you know, been a salesman. And, and I had a guy call me tonight and said, hey, I'm thinking about this. Will you do me a favor and help me out? And, and, and I'm like, Heck yeah, man, of course I will. You know, that's, that's, you know, that's what I do. You know, I'll help you out. No problem. So last, you know? last question I got for you. We got about five minutes and, uh. Like I said, I'm sure all the listeners are enjoying uh, hearing from you, Sid. But I, like I said, I know you coach a lot of people, a lot of business experts, a lot of high-level people. Uh, what what do you see, what hang-up do you see most often in the people that you coach as it pertains to their business? Well, they, they, they don't take action. They're afraid to take imperfect action. And imperfect action is is better than no action all day, every day. That's, that's Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, dude, you know, die trying, you know what I mean? But yeah. don't not try, you know? You yeah, know. that's really... Don't, don't, don't hide from the customer. <laughs> I talk a lot of you times know? about how when people start businesses, and this is one thing that I always, you know, find funny is they're so worried about everything. Like you mentioned, uh, is the shelving right? Is the paint on the walls right? Does this look right? Does that look right? And really the only thing that matters is have you sold something yet? You know, when, until you get the sale, the rest is, is immaterial. And so often small businesses, we think of a business as all the businesses we've walked in. And when you walk into a paint store like Sherwin-Williams and you see that this is a company worth hundreds of millions of dollars, billions of dollars, well, they can afford to have real nice tile on the floor and a real nice display and all this. So we go out undercapitalized, open a store, and we think, well, we need to make it look like this with forgetting the yeah. concept of, 
the sales what matters. I told you for years if That's I could right. redo my paint store, I would have sold the paint out of my parents' garage with no store. Right. That's right. You know, yeah. sales yeah. start with the sale, and I think that's great advice to to everyone that's listening. And uh, whether you're in business or not, it, when you're thinking about starting one, you got to start with the sales. If you show up, and if and I think a lot of us have probably watched Shark Tank, when you show up with that purchase order, you can say, "Hey, I don't have anything, but I got this purchase order. They yeah. want to buy a hundred thousand of them, and right. <laughs> anybody will fund that." How, how many? How, uh, I mean, how many times have you had a problem, especially in business, that you could that selling your way out wasn't one of the solutions, if not the only solution? <laughs> yeah, you know, there, it, it, it's a it's a problem solver real fast. Is to sell your way out of it and generate revenue, and 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 if you can make a bunch of friends while doing it, it's even better. You know. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to talk with us, Sid. Uh, this is uh, only my second week or my second show, so I'm glad to have you on here. I'm sure everyone's enjoyed it. We're going to take a short break, let Sid drop off, and we'll come back to uh, for a quick close, and then we'll uh, that's it. We'll be back in just a few minutes. This is 105.3, The Talk of Jackson, and you're listening to Strictly Business. You're listening to Strictly Business with Chase Channel. Thanks for listening to 105.3, The Talk of Jackson. Don't go anywhere. Chase will be back right after this. Dribble into deals this March at Victory Honda of Jackson. Hi, I'm Chase Channel, General Manager. And right now, during the Honda Dream Garage Spring event, make zero down payment, zero security deposit, and zero first month's payment on select brand new Hondas. Plus, you won't have to make a single payment until summer. That's right, no payments until summer. And when you upgrade your vehicle at Victory Honda, we'll give you 125% of the book value for your trade. For complete details, visit VictoryHondaJackson.com then come into Victory Honda on Highway 45 Bypass and save big with no payments until summer. So come in today and score this three-point deal right here at Victory Honda. With approved credit through HFS, not all buyers or vehicles will qualify. Offers don't combine, plus tax, title, license, and $4.99 dealer fee. Payments deferred by lender. 125% of black with wholesale value minus restocking, reconditioning, and mileage fees. Subject to a clean Carfax report. See dealer for complete details. Offer expires 331.18. We're back. You're listening to 105.3, The Talk of Jackson. This is Strictly Business. I hope you've enjoyed the show this week. It's been action-packed. We had a wonderful special guest, our friend Sid Michael, Uncle Sid, and uh, we were able to cover a lot of information. Uh, appreciate everyone tuning in this week. Make sure to follow us on Facebook. You can check it out online at facebook.com backslash the Chase Channel Show. If throughout the week you've got questions, be sure to send in a text to the text line. I'd love to answer it for you on the air. It's 731-215-0158. Or if you want to talk about it, you can give us a call, 731-499-3865. We've covered everything from how to close a deal to keeping your reputation clean online. So it's a lot of great information, a lot of fantastic content. And each week, we're going to dive deeper into all these categories that we discussed. I mean, sales alone we could talk about for literally weeks on end. So one one day, uh, one of the episodes we'll do, we'll actually break out an entire show of nothing but sales and closing the deal. Uh, we will have a special guest, as I promised earlier, uh, with a radio background right here in West Tennessee that's going to be coming on, and we'll hopefully have him on for next week's show. So be sure to tune in the same time 
next week on Friday from 1 to 3. And on Saturday, you can catch us again from 9 until 11 on 105.3, the talk of Jackson. So anything you want to cover, that's what we're here for. This is Strictly Business, and I'm Chase Channel. So until this time, next time, we'll catch you later.
You've been listening to Strictly Business with Chase Channel. For more, please follow him on Facebook at Chase Channel Show. That's facebook.com slash Chase Channel with two L's show. And catch him next time right here on 105.3, The Talk of Jackson's.